millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the heart of Yosemite National Park, a group of European tourists reveled in the awe-inspiring beauty of their surroundings. The towering granite cliffs, lush meadows, and cascading waterfalls painted a picturesque backdrop for their adventure. Excitement filled the air as they hiked along the well-trodden trails, capturing memories and immersing themselves in the grandeur of nature. 
But little did they know that an ancient darkness lurked within the depths of these majestic landscapes. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows across the wilderness, an ominous figure emerged from the darkness. The creature reminiscent of the Wendigo possessed an otherworldly aura instilling fear in the hearts of the unsuspecting tourist. Larry, a seasoned park ranger who dedicated his life to protecting Yosemite's natural treasures, stumbled upon a distressed group of tourists. It was late at night when a distressed group found Larry's cabin, their faces etched with terror. They recounted stories of shadowy figures stalking their campsite, their presence as chilling as the frigid mountain air. Initially skeptical, Larry attributed their fears to an overactive imagination fueled by the eerie ambience of the wilderness. But as their pleas grew more desperate, a flicker of unease ignited within the ranger's soul. Determined to ensure their safety, he decided to investigate their claims firsthand. Venturing into the darkness, armed only with a flashlight and a sense of duty, Larry's skepticism rapidly dissolved. Shadow danced in the periphery of his vision, whispering ancient secrets that sent shivers down his spine. And then, amidst the stillness of the night, the horrifying creature materialized before him, his presence defying all logic. Fear gripped Larry's heart as the tourists scattered in a desperate attempt to escape the clutches of the malevolent beings. The ranger, driven by his duty to protect, summoned every ounce of courage within him. But his efforts proved futile against the supernatural strength and agility of the creatures. As the shadowy figure lunged at him, overpowering his defenses, darkness engulfed Larry's consciousness. Hours passed, and the distant sound of approaching sirens heralded the arrival of the park police. Disoriented and battered, Larry awoke to their concerned faces, their questions probing for answers. Struggling to recount the harrowing ordeal, Larry explained the unearthly encounter he had witnessed. However, disbelief clouded the officers' expressions, their skepticism palpable. They dismissed his account as the delusions of an exhausted ranger, attributing the tourist's distress to a combination of fear and exhaustion. Left to grapple with the remnants of his shattered reality, Larry stood alone. It was a nightless night in the Finnish wilderness. Just me and my dog couldn't sleep, so I decided to just hike until I'd be tired. It was all fine until my dog makes a dead stop and I can't convince her to take another step. She put her head down, her entire mane is up, and she is growling this low, things are going to go down growl. This is a pretty easy-going dog. I have never heard her make that sound before or after. Her most common reaction to wildlife is to scream bark out of exitment. She is very used to forest and its critters. But this was very different. She was seeing danger, and I saw absolutely nothing. I heard nothing. I freaked out. So I backtracked to a little parking lot we had passed some time ago and called a local cab driver if he could get us. I had just had it, whatever it was. I was too tired for it. The cab driver came and took me to my car. Paid like 60 euros, but it was kinda worth it.
I am from Delaware, and I experienced the same thing when I was 15. Me and my friend was walking through the woods, and I noticed something moving ahead. I told my friend to stop and look with me at what it was. It was an all-white humanoid creature moving in a weird way by trees, and it noticed us before we did it. It was when it looked at us that scared us off running. It was all white with no facial features, no eyes, no mouth, no nothing. Just all white blank face and taller body with weird arms. We both took off running. I want to know what this was. Years ago, while hiking with my girlfriend in a very isolated area, we discovered we were being stalked. It was late in the day, not dark yet, but getting there. We were on a path with heavy woods on each side. We could hear movement in the woods, sounds of leaves rustling, branches snapping, etc. That seemed to parallel our path and matched our movements. However, we couldn't see anything. We tested it stopped walking to listen and the noise would stop start and stop again and it would match our movements finally i left my girlfriend on the path and walked toward the noise i did see something that to this day i can't explain and it scared me very badly when i saw it it had been behind a tree and quickly ran away it was probably 30 feet from me when it took off humanoid shape extremely tall and thin I have always described it as being almost skeletal. It was pale white. I'd estimate it was seven feet tall or more. It ran away very quickly, which is a good thing, because I was paralyzed with fear after seeing it. After a minute, I got my wits back a little and went back to my girlfriend, and we got out of there. Luckily, we didn't have far to go. True story, and it made me realize that there are unexplainable things in this world. I wasn't alone on this one, but it's a close enough story that I thought might be appreciated here. I was 17 and out with my boyfriend hiking out to some caves. He said he knew about it, but we had gotten turned around and lost the daylight before we made it there. So no big deal, we decided to bivouac in a small clearing, built a campfire and made the most of a rare opportunity for some secluded sexy times. We were getting close when he starts and just bolts upright, listening for something. I listened to and off in the distance. You could hear this commotion going on, rustling and cracking from branches, and it is steadily getting closer to our camp. We figured maybe an animal chasing a rabbit or something, but the sounds just keep getting closer, and suddenly my boyfriend just leaps to his feet, saying that's someone running. It was like he just hit a panic button in my brain. He grabbed my hand, and we both just bolted, leaving our packs and everything. We ran until I thought my lungs were on fire, but when we stopped, we could still hear the sound getting louder. Suddenly, my lungs didn't matter, and we ran for what felt like hours. It felt like whoever it was would catch us if we slowed down for even a moment. I've never hauled as so fast for so long. Finally, we ended up on a gravel road dotted with an occasional house. We figured out where we were and how to get back to where his car was parked. My boyfriend went back with a couple buddies the next day to see if he could find our campsite and said some of the stuff from his pack was piled up next to the fire, but his extra boots and water was missing. My pack was nowhere to be seen. 
During a mentally unstable period of my life, I stayed out in a cabin on a friend's property in Texas. I was out there for about a week, meant to stay for two weeks. But you'll see why I left, with no electricity, no running water, no nothing. It was late autumn, so I didn't have to worry about air conditioning. To get refrigerated food, I'd have to drive about two miles to his house, then another mile to the store. There were no wires, no random pieces of equipment, no nothing. From the second night onward, I would hear beeping outside behind the cabin. It was a single steady beep most of the time, and sometimes two or three paired together. Since I was a bit mental, as stated, I thought it was just my mind the first night. Problem is, it continued the next night and so forth, but not in the same spot. On the fourth night, it was out front of the cabin. The fifth, it was out back again, and the last night, it was right beside the bedroom wall, left side of the cabin. I searched high and low the first two days I heard it, and even asked my friend about it. But he assured me there was nothing out there, and he didn't go out there. Even if he did, I would be able to hear him. We tried to get his dog to stay with me the third night, but as soon as the beeping started, it hid under the bed, started whining, and eventually started crying, so I drove him back to my friend's house. With how close that beeping got the last night, I, I didn't bother staying. I'm pretty sure I had an encounter with a skinwalker, too, but that was during a road trip. I've spent more than my share of time alone in the woods, but one occasion definitely stands out as the creepiest thing I've experienced while no one else was around. I have a friend that has 40 acres outside of town that he has slowly converted into a subsistence farm for his family. Years ago, when he mostly only had a dozen or so chickens out there, I spent a few months living on the property in a tent while I was between seasonal work. At the time, the property was decades, neglected, overgrown pasture land with a few clumps of denser woods. I had set up my tent and homestead right in the middle of the property in a small, clear area between two densely wooded thickets. My friend would come by once a day to feed the animals, but other than that, there was zero chance of me seeing another human unless I left the property. I really enjoyed the solitude and had taken to observing nature in a way that I had never really done before. When the incident occurred, I had been living out there for about two months, so I was well used to the sounds of nature outside my tent at night. I had gotten to the point where I wouldn't even bother to get out of the tent and look if I heard a small animal walking past my tent at night. I'd even gotten used to the sound that the roof of the pump house made when wind blew hard from the southeast. My friend had been short on nails when he was building the roof over the pump so the southeast corner wasn't nailed down and a strong wind would cause the corner of the corrugated metal roof to peel up and then crash down loudly when the wind stopped. It was about 200 feet away from my tent so it had caused me to jump a bit when I first moved out there. But within a month, it had just become another sound outside my tent at night. It was even sort of comforting, like some people that live in big cities say that they can't sleep without the sound of traffic outside their window. It probably helped that the sound was always paired with the sound of wind blowing through the trees. So one night I'm tucked in my sleeping bag, starting to drift off when I hear the shed corner come crashing down. Nothing to worry about. 
I probably didn't even open my eyes, but then I hear what sounds like a person mimicking the sound the shed it made right outside my tent. My blood freezes in my veins and my eyes open wide in the darkness, and I hold perfectly still. I know that my friend has already come and gone hours before. I am alone on a piece of land that is large enough that there is no reason for a person to accidentally end up next to my tent in the middle of the night. After a few moments, the wind makes the shed roof crash again, and again I heard a person mimic the crashing sound a few seconds later. I called out and asked if there was anyone there. No response. The shed roof crashed a third time, but this time there was no mimicking sound. So I am out of my sleeping bag and out of my tent flashlight in one hand, camp knife in the other. I shine my flashlight right where the fake crashing sound seemed to come from. Nothing. It's the edge of the woods, but the sound had been close, and I can see through the brush well enough to tell that there isn't a person hiding behind the bushes and low branches. I'm looking at the ground, and none of the dead leaves look particularly disturbed. I'm trying to figure out how far someone could have moved at a slow enough pace to not make enough sound for me to hear their footsteps on the leaf litter. Answer, not very far, when the shed roof crashes again. And I hear the same fake crash sound again, right next to me, where I am 100% positive there isn't a person standing. At this point, my heart is beating a mile a minute, and I'm getting ready to believe in the supernatural. While sweeping my flashlight beam through the human free spot the sound seemed to be coming from, I see a bird. It's sitting in the low branches of a tree at about head height. I stop moving the flashlight and keep the beam on the bird for a moment. The bird opens its mouth and makes the fake crashing sound. Oh, and the little guy stuck around for another month making the same sound, so I eventually got used to his sound. At night as well but I resented it every time I heard it. Every year we take a three-day family canoe trip in central Pennsylvania. I was around 16 and brought some friends along for our journey. This is a pretty remote area with very limited cell phone reception and not many permanent residents. We take all of our gear with us in four canoes and just find a clearing for us to camp. The water level was low that year, so it was slow going. The first day we relaxed and didn't paddle much, found a clearing and made camp. On the second day, we had to make up some time, so we paddled until dusk. It was getting late and we were in a part of the river with mountains on both sides. There was a small path leading up between some pine trees and a small patch of sand that we could beach our canoes. We start unloading our supplies. I set out to see how much room there is for our campsite. Not ten feet into the pine trees, I see three tents torn to shreds, coolers strung out everywhere, clothing pieces half buried in the dirt. There isn't any way in or out from that campsite except the river. It was too late for us to look for a new spot, so we ended up staying there. That night, every sound I heard was going to murder me. I could hear rustling leaves coming closer to the campsite, then a loud crack from a log breaking. Our dog started growling and took off running after something. We could hear whatever he was chasing making its way up the mountain. Our dog returned a few minutes later, thankfully. 
woke up early after barely sleeping and got the hell out of there. When I was backing packing in the Sierras two summers ago, I had set up camp at this beautiful spot I came across and spent the night there. Well, since the campsite offered such a nice view, I decided to stay there an extra night. About an hour after sunset, I got into my tent and started to fall asleep. In the middle of the night, I heard distinct footsteps nearby, and I immediately thought it was a bear or, or mountain lion. Humans were mostly out of the option because I was three weeks into my trip and had only seen a couple of climbers 25 miles down the trail. The footsteps stopped, but the hairs on the back of my neck were raised like never before. I could feel something outside my tent. I had my ice axe gripped in my hand and stayed still waiting for more noise all night. I woke up the next morning still gripping my axe and unzipped my tent. And in the middle of the fire ring I made was an empty handle of Josie Hervo sitting in a pile of ashes. There were no footprints around and never heard or saw anyone for the next three days. Growing up, the woods behind my house were my sanctuary. I spent countless hours exploring the area, learning every nook and cranny of the dense forest. The centerpiece of this woodland retreat was a creek where I would often spend my days enjoying the cool, refreshing water. One late summer day, as I walked through the woods with my loyal white lab by my side, I came across a group of kids I didn't recognize. I assumed they were from the local military academy, taking advantage of their free time to enjoy the outdoors. The kids were daring each other to jump into the creek from a 15 to 20 foot high cliff. I couldn't help but feel concerned as I knew that the water level had dropped significantly by that time of year, exposing several large rocks just beneath the surface. As I approached the group, I politely pointed out the hidden danger suggesting they refrain from jumping to avoid any serious injuries. One of the kids, clearly feeling challenged by my advice, took great offense. He unleashed a torrent of curses at me and, with a defiant smirk, took a running start and jumped into the creek. Miraculously, he avoided the rocks, but the danger didn't seem to faze him. Fueled by adrenaline, the boy stormed out of the water and charged towards me. I calmly retreated up the bank, grabbed my trusty walking stick, a six-and-a-half-foot-long-inch-thick octagonal oak oar, and stood my ground with my protective lab by my side. The boy's friends, who had initially cheered him on, now realized the gravity of the situation and began urging him to back off. He hesitated for a moment, looking up at me and my imposing weapon, and then at my snarling dog, the realization that he had bitten off more than he could chew was written all over his face. In that instant, the bravado that had propelled him off the cliff and towards me vanished. He scrambled back up the cliff at a speed that rivaled his descent, his friends close behind him. As the group disappeared into the woods, I couldn't help but feel a strange sense of satisfaction. I hadn't sought out a confrontation, but I had stood my ground and protected both myself and my dog. In the end, I hoped that the encounter had taught the reckless young man a valuable lesson in respecting both nature and the advice of others who know it well.
After the excitement had subsided, I continued my walk with my loyal companion, grateful for the peaceful solitude that the woods usually provided. The creek, now quiet and undisturbed, seemed to share my relief, its waters once again flowing gently and undisturbed through the heart of the forest. Lake Story in Galesburg is a popular spot for our nighttime walks, and aside from the occasional pesky raccoon, we've never experienced any issues. However, on the night of July 2, 2020, as we reached a particularly dark section of the trail deep in the woods, we heard a loud noise like something large was about to fall on us. I quickly pulled my friend out of the way. And as I looked back, I saw an object almost hit the ground, but then seemingly disappear. I dismissed it as shadows playing tricks on me, and my friend, who doesn't believe in anything paranormal, UFO, or spiritual, found it strange as well. A few days later, we walked the same path and experienced a similar occurrence. We heard a violent rustling in the trees, but once again, we brushed it off despite feeling unnerved. On our next walk, we arrived at the exact spot on the trail, and this time, we saw a four-foot-tall figure standing about thirty feet away. Initially, I thought it might be a deer, but my friend saw it too. I quickly grabbed her flashlight to shine a light on the figure, but there was no deer in sight. Instead, the mysterious figure dashed through the woods at an incredible speed, I don't know who to contact about these encounters, as the police might consider me crazy, and I don't want to put my family at risk, unless there's a drug-addled, naked, small person in the woods throwing things and stalking us. I'm at a loss for an explanation. These unnerving encounters have happened three times in the same location, deep within the woods at Lake Story, near the far end of the trail. I realize that whoever reads this might think I'm a nut, but I assure you, this is our experience. This story was told to me by my uncle and swears it really happened. He was the only one in the family this happened to, so no one else could back his story. I don't know if I believe this myself. In 1979, there was a 12-year-long civil war in El Salvador. My uncle was in the military. He was sent to the woods or jungle with like six other guys to go look for militia groups that we supposedly camping out there. After walking in the woods or jungle for hours, they suddenly felt the ground shake as if something big was coming towards them. He described it like in Jurassic Park. Then the T-Rex was coming towards them, and the water rippled. He said they thought it was the enemy doing something, so they hid. He said that he was shocked when he saw a giant. He said it was walking in the distance. I asked him if it was just maybe a really, really big person like Bigfoot, and he said no. It was more of a jack and a beanstalk kind of giant. He said there were trees blocking the view somewhat, but that he could make out that it was like a really big human. He said it was as tall at the tallest tree there. He said he tried to get a good look at it but he was terrified and didn't want to get out of his hiding when he realized what it was. He said the giant basically just walked past them. He said they were all terrified and, and waited there for a while as they were scared to bump into another one. 
He said two of the guys suggested trying to kill it to get rich, but the guy in charge told him to stand down. My uncle said it. Everyone thought they were idiots for suggesting such a thing. He said they walked back to base as quickly and quietly as possible. They told everyone when they got back no one believed them. They were friends with the pilots, and the pilots called bullshit on their story because they fly over the jungle all the time and would have seen such a creature especially if it was as tall as the trees as they claim. He said all of the guys described what they saw. One guy claimed that it appeared bald. Another guy said he thinks it had some sort of loincloth like Tarzan. My uncle emphasized that he didn't get a good look and that all he knows is that the ground was shaking as if some really big creature was coming towards them. He saw what appeared as a giant human walking in the distance. He got down and hid and waited till it was gone. I began to ask him things like if it was real, don't you think they would have found a body or some bones of something that big, especially since El Salvador is so tiny in relation to other parts of the world. He responded along the lines of, I, I don't know about none of that stuff. I just know what I saw that day. I don't know how I, I feel about this one personally. This one seems a little out there. My mom said maybe it was some sort of spirit that just made itself appear as a giant to scare them. During the Civil War times, my mom claims there was a lot more paranormal things going on because of all the deaths that were happening. A lot of innocent people were being killed. My grandma would say if you looked out the window of the house, you would see dead bodies on the street. That wouldn't explain the ground shaking, though. Has anyone ever encountered a story of a jack? In a beanstalk kind of giant, this one scared me as a kid because it's so unbelievable that if he did actually see that, that's crazy. I'll never forget the night of September 9, 2015. It was around 11.40 p.m., and I was driving up Route 43 towards the Peaks of Otter. I was just passing Turkey Mountain Road when something strange caught my eye. My headlights hit a figure that seemed out of place. It wasn't until I got closer that I realized what it was. I knew what I saw was going to sound crazy, but I had to call Bedford County Dispatch. I told them that I saw a Bigfoot with a baby. The dispatcher was understandably confused and asked me to repeat myself. I insisted that I wasn't drinking and that I saw what I saw. Two days had passed since the sighting, and I felt like I had to share what I witnessed. When I went back in daylight, I saw footprints that were larger than anything I could make. The creature's stride was longer than anything I had ever seen. The footprints were bigger than my two feet put together, end to end, and I wear a size 8 shoe. The creature was holding its baby just like a human would, and the baby was looking right at me. I later described the baby as looking just like Chewbacca from Star Wars. The dispatcher asked me if they had received any other calls like mine before, but he had never heard anything like it. A deputy checked out the area and didn't find anything. I know they were not bears. I can't explain what I saw, but I know what I saw. The memory of that night will stay with me forever.
I have heard many rumors of a monstrous creature born in the mountains about 15 miles away from our city. The people living there are said to be deeply superstitious and almost untouched by civilization. The creature, which was born about two weeks ago, has caused a great deal of terror and dread among the mountaineers. They believe that the devil has appeared among them in the form of the monster that was born in their midst. Recently, rumors of the creature have reached our city, and those who have dared to visit it describe it as being somewhat larger than an average newborn covered in short black hair and dark in color, despite having a white father and mother. From either side of its head grow short horns, and it has a long tail that resembles a cloven hoof. To the mountaineers who have seen it, it is the very picture of the devil. There are many stories about the incidents surrounding the creature's birth, but one stands out. It is said that the father of the creature had some religious beliefs which he tried to impose on his wife, who did not agree with him. She declared that she would rather see the devil than have a cross always before her eyes. Shortly after this, she gave birth to the monstrous creature. In terror, the father summoned several neighbors, and one of them, more brave than the rest, offered to kill the creature by bleeding it to death. As he took out his knife, the creature raised itself, got down from the bed, and walked across the room, addressing the wood, be executioner in terrible language, and threatening him with dire consequences if he attempted to harm it. It then declared that it would live for seven days, and having revealed its purpose for coming into the world, it would then die. As strange as it may sound, this story has many believers, and few dare to go near the little cabin in the mountain where the poor mother of the miserable creature lives. The creature lived for seven days and died on the last Monday, the eighth day, without ever speaking again. Its birth and death have filled the mountaineers with such uneasiness that they shun the cabin and its inhabitants. I sat on a wooden bar stool behind the register in the nastiest gas station I've seen before or since. It was my third night in a row on the graveyard shift, despite my constant pleas for daylight hours. At night, the place became purgatory. No matter how hard you'd scrub or how many times you'd mop, a thick film of filth remained on every surface. I would go hours without seeing a single car drive past. I often questioned if the rapture happened, and I was the only one left. We were a stone's throw from another 24-hour gas station franchise that was cleaner, properly lit, and had an equipment update within the last decade. Needless to say, I had, I had a lot of downtime. It was half past midnight. I had six and a half hours to kill. I was reading from the first volume of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and doing my best not to look at the clock. As I would soon learn, I was being irresponsibly unaware of what was going on around me. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a brown wood panel station wagon pull up to a pump. Two men exited the car and walked inside. One looked older. He was wearing a leather jacket, the same shade of brown as his vehicle. The younger guy was close to my age. He wore a faded Carhartt coat and work boots. Both were covered in a layer of dirt or dust that suggested recent manual labor. These were country gentlemen. 
I greeted them and asked what I could help them with. They told me they're not interested in buying anything, but they had to stop by and make sure everything was okay here. I was appreciative, albeit visibly confused. The younger man asked me, Did you know you're being watched? As he subtly gestured outside. Sure enough, I saw the dark outline of a man standing completely motionless near a streetlight. None of his features were visible, but I could tell he was staring directly at us. The older man said they had been driving by 45 minutes earlier and almost hit him as he was standing in the middle of the road. He theorized the man was possibly on drugs. They decided to take the long way home that night to see if the guy was still hanging around. Mind you, this was 45 minutes after they almost ran the guy over. Had he been watching me that entire time, I looked outside again to find he hadn't moved a muscle. He was positioned on the border of the streetlight's illumination. I noticed his jaw was moving like he was saying something. I asked the younger man to lock the deadbolt on the front door, literally my only line of defense in this situation. They both agreed to wait with me in the store while I contacted police. Until that moment, I maintained composure, trying not to make it obvious that I felt extremely vulnerable. Here I was at the mercy of three complete strangers, hoping the two I had in front of me were genuinely there to help. When the dispatch operator confirmed they had units on the way, I felt safe enough to end the call. I thanked the two men profusely and they walked out the door. After pausing for a moment, they turned around and came back inside. The younger one plainly stated, Lock the door, he's coming this way, then immediately ducks back out the door so I can lock myself in. As I flipped the deadbolt into position, I could see the dark figure moving toward the building at an intentioned pace, making it across the parking lot in about ten strides. He tried opening the door, but found it wouldn't bud. He asked the older man, where did the girl go? Who then tried to buy me some time by saying I was in the bathroom and I would be back in a minute. So this man, this possible assailant, walks around the corner towards the bathroom door and disappears behind the building. And of course we didn't have cameras outside to keep employees safe on the job. The only three working security feeds happened to all be trained exclusively on where the cashier would stand. It felt accusatory. It was at this point when real fear began to set in, and I lost control of my composure. This unidentified man, who had apparently been watching me for close to an hour, was now laying in wait for me to exit the bathroom. I started to hyperventilate his thoughts of what his motivation could be. Had he been watching me before tonight? Was my store chosen at random, or did this guy come here? Because he saw a small female at the register. Was he actually on drugs, or was he just mentally unstable enough for it to appear that way? Did he have a weapon on him, or did he plan to use his bare hands for whatever he was going to do? I peeked out the window and saw the two gentlemen exchanging glances and muted discussion of how to proceed from there. Thankfully, a local police sub tore down the street and into the parking lot of the building next door, turning on his flashers and quickly coming to a stop. As soon as I was absolutely sure the man was gone, I sat on the curb outside, sucking every last drop of nicotine out of my cigarette I held in a trembling hand, as if I telepathically summoned her. My phone rings with a call from my best friend. 
She said she was thinking about me and thought she would call to say what's up since she knew I would be bored. All I could respond with was, get here, now. Twenty minutes later, all my roommates showed up in a pickup truck and stayed with me long enough to feel comfortable again. As anticlimactic as this ended, it could have definitely been a lot worse. I could have been robbed or murdered, or all three, all because I wasn't paying attention. I'll never know the true will of that dark figure under the streetlight, and maybe that's for the best. I don't think I could easily get past knowing what could have lied in store for me. And I wish I could have gotten one of the gentleman's contact information so I could send a beef jerky bouquet or something manly that says thank you 